right, hey, before we get started, let me just kind of, if we can, set, set up our environment here. It's actually going to be some guys dropping some little scratch pieces of paper and pens off at your table. I'll explain that in just a second. Um, that's not necessarily for you to uh, doodle with or do paper airplanes. I've got a purpose for that, so if you'll just kind of hang on with me for just a second. First thing I want to share, though is that I love, uh, I love this environment. I love Fuse. It's one of my favorite moments of the week. I do want to just ask that we would uh, create, be part of creating a distraction-free environment by refusing to distract our neighbors. Sometimes it gets to be real fun and just kind of there's jabs and jokes and stuff like that. Let's try to limit that as much as we can. Uh, and then if you're the kind of person who likes to take a cup and rattle it. Let's try not to do that. Just kind of a couple disciplines when you're in a group of people trying to focus on something as serious as, as uh, Bible study, uh, then I think it matters for us to just honor that. And so um, I will say you sixth graders have been doing such a great job. And so I want to make sure that you know, we're super proud of you. Glad you're here. Um, and not to say that the others aren't, but I'm just saying like, man, you guys are doing a great job. Okay. Scratch paper on your table. Uh, we're doing a series starting tonight called I Wonder, and it's kind of addressing uh, this, um, this, this thing about having the big questions, right? The big questions in life. And I will even say this, not like, you're like, well, what kind of questions are you talking about? Are you trying to take those questions or those questions? I'm saying those things that are like, I wonder if this is all true. I wonder if this is, I wonder if I've been lied to. I wonder, I wonder what's going on. I wonder if, I wonder if this is all, uh, uh, you know, whatever. Like it could be big life, big, big faith, big, um, like social uh, friends. It could be anything. Okay. So here's, here's what I've learned. Okay. If I can have, if you're writing questions down right now, please pause and just listen to what I say. Cause what I'm about to say might be uh, the most important thing you hear tonight. I have been um, doing student ministry like this in some form since like 2001, okay? I became, I, it became my job in 2005, but we did it all through college. Christy and I, we worked in churches together, uh, volunteered, excuse me, volunteered in churches together through college. Um, and here's the one thing that has uh, kind of broken my heart over the course of all that time, especially if you go back to, like, they're now adults, but they were in student ministry 10 years ago. Here's what they would say. One of the things that they uh, struggled with is that they were never allowed to ask questions. They were never allowed to ask questions. Uh, they never uh, felt like there was the right time or the right place. Uh, their parents actually told them, and I don't want you to raise your hands or anything. Um, their, their parents may have told them, uh, you know, hey, it's, it's disrespectful uh, because you're challenging leadership or whatever. I need you to understand I will never think it's disrespectful for you to ask a question about the Bible, about life, about, about any of this stuff. Now, obviously, we know that disrespect is more of like a tone and an attitude thing. And so if we're teaching something and you're just in there and like, uh, I don't believe any of this and this is stupid, well, obviously, that's disrespectful. Um, but you saying, hey, I've got a question about this. This doesn't necessarily line up with what I, with what I think or what I believe or what I see. Man, ask it ask it. Now, I want you to know that it's always okay to ask. Um, you can ask me. You can ask any one of our staff or any one of our volunteers. Uh, we're here for that. Now, the scratch paper is for you, and you don't have to do it right now, um, but if you've got, like, questions right now, you're like, okay, question been burning in my brain. 
go ahead and write it down. And you can even like literally write it down right now and come drop it off kind of at the front of the stage if you want. Um, and uh, you, don't, you're, you don't have to put your name on it. The goal isn't, you know, the goal is just for you to, to kind of express that question. Now, here's what I'm not promising. I'm not promising that I'm gonna respond to all those questions tonight. Because if like 60 questions come in and they all res- like require kind of like, man, these are, these are heavy questions, and which is great. Uh, it might take some time to get through them all. Um, but my goal is to kind of learn a little bit about you guys, maybe even be able to provide a little bit of response or answers. Um, and there may be questions I'm kind of like, hey, I, I wonder that too. I wonder that too. But here's what I don't want. I don't want you to think this student ministry is a place where you're not allowed to ask questions. Okay? I want to make sure that that is like expressly clear. This is a place where anyone can come, uh, obviously middle school, high school. Uh, doesn't matter if you're Christian or you're not a Christian. Doesn't matter if you go to church here or somewhere else. Doesn't matter if you go to school in the neighborhood, live in the neighborhood. You, doesn't matter. Come one, come all. Uh, this is a place where we want to be welcoming and warm and, and, and all that. Um, I was a part of a youth ministry where it was okay to ask questions. But I'm, I'm learning that there was a group of people that wasn't allowed to ask questions. And so they kind of just said, well, I guess, I guess if that's the only thing I'm allowed to believe and I don't believe that, then I guess I'm out. And I guess I'm not included. And I guess I'm not good enough. And let me tell you, like, don't make the mistake of precluding yourself from what Jesus offers simply because a human uh, doesn't do a good job of leading uh, you, okay? So, and I'll fail you sometimes, right? Every human in life will fail you at some times. This is not a perfect student ministry, but we want this to be a place where you feel free and safe and, and uh, free to ask questions. So, like I said, if you got like, man, this is a question I've been burning. I asked my parents this question. They didn't know. I asked my friends this question. They didn't know. And jot it down. And you can literally write it down, maybe even fold it up, and you can come drop it, drop it right here. Or you can at the end of service, whatever. Um, I will tell you, I would like to be able to respond to some of them uh, over the course of the series, for the next three weeks. And so, uh, anyway, so none have come up here yet, so I'm obviously not going to respond to any yet, uh, but we will, uh, we will make that available um, maybe next week. So if you have a question, and here's what I'll say. If you have a question, like in the middle of the week, write it down and bring it, you know, or, or you can email it to me or text it to me. It's just whatever, okay? So you can tell me Sunday. You can, you can you know, bring it next week. All oh, that's fine. Okay, so we have big questions in life. Uh, and technically, what we're going to be talking about tonight is uh, what do we do with our difficult questions? And then specifically, if I can just kind of get it all the way into it, and this is going to get kind of like, maybe some of y'all have had uh, arguments with people about this, uh, you know, whether God is real or whether all this is fake. Um, you know, there's people that believe that there's no God. And so if there's no God, like, what is this, right? It's a bunch of people gathering for no reason is what they would say. And then there's people that would say like, well, science has disproven some things and all y'all are like, you know, y'all are just kind of burying your head in the sand. We don't agree with that. We'll talk about that a little bit. Um, but I, I looked up some of the most popular like big questions that are in people's life. Um, so a couple of these on the screen. Where did all this come from? Where did all this come from? Like, what, is it, what are the origins? What's the story? What, what, what is the story about all of this, right? The next thing is, is God real? Is God real? And I would even say, like, is the Bible true? Is probably an alternate version of that question. Uh, how do we know that Christianity is the right 
belief system, right? How do we know that maybe we're wrong and they're right? You know, that's a, that's a big question. And then probably the biggest question, most popular question is why are we here? Why are we here? And, and it's a question about purpose, right? What exactly am I supposed to, if I've got like a hundred years on this planet, what am I supposed to do with it? What would make me a success story? What would make me a failure? What would make me live a life worth living? And what would make me get to the end of my life? Here's, can I just let you in on something? One of the things that's terrified me for the, for the majority of my life is the idea that I would get to the end of my life, like I'm on my deathbed, and then I have this moment where I'm like, I, I wasted it. That terrifies me. It terrifies me. And so I, I've, I've asked this question, you know, like, why are we here? Um, these questions can be really stressful, right? These questions can be really stressful. In fact, they can shake us up. They can, they can maybe unsettle us. Uh, I'll just be like flat out honest with you. I have no desire to kind of play a, a certain part here. There are questions I have about life. There are questions I have about faith and Christianity. I I'm not a know-it-all. Um, there's questions I have like if I, if I was able to sit down and talk with God, there'd be a couple things I'm like, what's going on with this situation here? Because it doesn't seem to line up with like what is in the Bible. Why don't you do this? Why do you do this? Why, you know, and obviously God is on the throne, but I have questions. And over the course of my life, there's been a couple moments where I have a question about life because I used to believe something and then all of a sudden I'm kind of like, ooh, I, I don't, I don't know that I believe that anymore. And it really unsettles me. Anyone ever had that moment before where you're like, ooh, I don't know if this isn't true. And I've been, so we sing this song, right? I will build my life upon your love, right? It's a firm foundation. Uh, there, there are people, there's a large group of people right now that have said, I, I don't know that I believe in Christianity anymore, so I'm going to walk away. And here's what the story I've heard. I'm talking to some of them, right? I'm having conversations with some of these people that have done this, and there's kind of an unsettling nature. In fact, one person I talked to, this was a couple years ago, said, the most difficult part about walking away from my decision to uh, follow Jesus and be a part of the church is I lost all of my friends. Because I've been living this Christian life this whole time. And all of a sudden, I was just like, I was out. But then I lost my friends too. And I was like, man, that is, that is really difficult. So uh, I know this is getting kind of deep. But I want you to know that we are not a church and we are not a student ministry that wants you to just like, we're going to tell you what to believe and then you know, believe it and just go live and be happy and just don't ask questions and you know, bury your head in the sand. We are not a bury your head in the sand church. We're not a bury your head in the sand student ministry. And so there's going to be moments in life where something happens and it really challenges some of your beliefs. And I might unsettle you. I'll tell you one of the things that uh, is a popular one is kind of the science versus faith argument, right? Sci there are people today who would tell you that you can't believe in science and faith at the same time. Some people would say science has disproven things in the Bible or that, that maybe people in the church would say, well, we don't believe what science says. We're just gonna believe in the Bible. And I, I just, can I just be a human uh, and be honest in front of you? I would say the two don't have to be opposing, 
right? There's so many things in science that point to God. And there's so many things about faith that educate us on this, this science thing. And so for, here's where I'm at. Here's where I'm at. When there's science, scientists that, that discover something, and dude, you will see it on the news. You'll see it on social media. If it tips towards Jesus, all the Christians are like, see, see? And then it, if it tips away from Jesus, like, ah, oh, we don't know if this, is this, if this is true, then maybe some things in the Bible have been disproven. All the atheists, see, see? And the thing is, is that it creates questions. I do not believe, let me just say this again. I don't believe that science and faith have to be in opposition of each other, right? And I'll just tell you, when there's things in science that kind of push up against my understanding of the Bible, I just want to say, I, my goal is not to run away. My goal is to kind of take a step deeper and learn more, okay? Here's what I think. The Bible does provide not all the answers, but a lot of the answers to our biggest questions in life. It provides answers. So let's just say this. If, if your big question is, how did we get here? We have an answer. If your big question is, why are we here? We have an answer. If your big question is, is why do all these bad things happen? We have an answer. If there's, where is all this going to end up? Like, is there life after death? We have an answer, okay? The Bible provides answers to a lot of our biggest questions in life. So, I wanted to start this series off because we're talking about our big questions. We're talking a little bit about the science-faith interplay. Uh, I wanted to start in, in the, the best place I know, which is just Genesis 1-1, okay? Now, how many of you, like before it pops up on the screen, that's fine, uh, you're like, I could quote that from memory. Like maybe you've, you've gone to church, like in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Boom, right? Um, anyone know verse two by chance? We're all big on verse one. Anyone know verse two? I heard, you said. You're like, I was whispering it, and then I don't want to say it out loud. The earth was uh, formless and void. See it. Speak up. Come on, Sachin. So, good job. So, here's, here's the interesting thing. This is the beginning of the Bible, and this is the beginning of our creation narrative, and I need you to understand me. This is the beginning of our origins as we believe them. This is the beginning of our story. This is how purpose begins. This is how the creation begins. This is how everything that we know of begins. The only thing that didn't begin in this moment was God. Now, there was no sin at this point. It was God. God existed in eternity past, and eternity future. He's above time and space and all that. So in the beginning, we're talking about like creation. That's the beginning. There was no beginning of God as we understand it. Okay, so I want to do this. I'm going to do something a little differently. I want to play you a video that explains the creation narrative. So if you'll turn your attention to the screens, we're going to kind of invest some time in this video. Go ahead. The first book in the Bible is called Genesis. And we're going to look closely at the first page of the book of Genesis. It's a carefully crafted narrative about God creating and ordering the whole cosmos. Okay, let's check it out. Now, the opening line of the whole Bible is, In the beginning, God created the skies and the land. Now, your Bible translation might say, the heavens and the earth. In biblical Hebrew, the word for heaven refers simply to the sky above. And the word for earth does not mean globe, but rather the land. 
the ground below us. Right. This line is summarizing what's going to happen in the following narrative, which starts in the next line. And it reads, Now the land was wild and waste. This phrase rhymes in Hebrew. The land was tohu vavohu, which means unordered and uninhabited. This is the ancient way of talking about the pre-creation state, what we might call nothingness. For the biblical authors, non-existence means having no purpose and no order. And the next line uses another image to say the same thing. And darkness was on the face of the deep abyss. What's the deep abyss? Yeah, it's a dark, chaotic ocean. It's another common way the ancients described the non-reality that preceded creation. Now, here's where things start to get interesting, because in the midst of those dark waters, God is present. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Hebrew word for God's Spirit is ruach, which can refer to wind or breath or God's invisible presence. So you can't see it, but God is present in the darkness, ready to bring order so that life can flourish. Yes, and this ordering happens in a series of six days. Each day begins with the phrase, and God said, and then ends with the phrase, and there was evening and morning. Yeah, every day addresses those problems introduced in verse two, that there's no order and no inhabitants. So on days one through three, God splits apart that unordered darkness into three ordered realms. Then on days four through six, God fills the uninhabited wasteland with creatures. Interesting. Let's see how that works. Okay. So the first realm of order begins with light on day one. Ah, yes. Let there be light. This is God's own glorious light that fills and contains the darkness as he separates day from night. God's establishing the order of time. Okay. And then on day two, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. What's the vault? In the ancient culture of the biblical authors, the sky was perceived as a solid dome that holds back waters. God's depicted here as splitting the chaos waters in half, above and below, which creates the realms of the sky and the seas. And then on day three, let the waters under the sky be gathered into one place and let dry ground appear. God is establishing the realm of the land and it emerges out of the chaotic waters. And then there's a bonus creative act on day three. God invites plants and fruit trees with seed to emerge out of the land. Okay, so we've got the realms of time, the realm of the sky and the seas, and the land. And they all have order. Right. Now, it's time to go back and fill these realms of days one through three with inhabitants. This is what happens on days four through six. So in day four, let there be lights in the vaults of the sky. God installs these lights, the sun, moon, and stars, as signs and symbols that reflect God's own light. He gives them his own royal power to separate day and night. Then on day five, let the waters swarm with living creatures and let birds fly above the land. Yeah, these are the creatures that live in the waters below and those that fly near the waters above. Then finally on day six, let the land produce living creatures. They emerge up out of the ground to live on the land. And then matching that bonus act of creation on day three, God makes a special land creature, human, or in Hebrew, Adam. Then God provides all of those plants from day three as abundant food. Now over and over, God says what he created was good. But then after making humans, God says that it is very good. Yes, 
Humanity is the climax of days one through six, and their importance is explained in the first poem in the Bible. So God created humanity in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So humans come up from the ground like the other land creatures, but they're also more. They're God's image, which means that together, men and women embody and represent the creator within his creation. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, ruling over the creatures. This is the purpose of being God's image, to oversee creation as God's partners and representatives in the world. Very cool. Now, after the six days, we get a concluding line that links back to the key words of the opening line. And so we're completed, the skies and the land and all their inhabitants. Except there's one more day. It stands outside the pattern of days one through six. It's the big climax. And God completed on the seventh day the work which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had done. And God blessed the seventh day and set it apart as holy. So God rests on the seventh day. This is a standard biblical image where God, after ordering the cosmos, comes to rest and dwell in his sacred space. It's like the whole world is a holy temple where God lives with his people. Now that phrase, there was evening and morning, it doesn't appear on day seven. That's right. The seventh day has no end. That's because Genesis 1 is describing God's ideal vision for the whole cosmos. A place where God lives with his partners to rule the world in harmony forever. Yes, the seventh day is the goal of creation. It's actually so important that the author of Genesis 1 has woven the number seven into every part of the story. There are seven days of creation, seven announcements that creation is good. There are seven Hebrew words in the opening verse, and then two times seven Hebrew words in verse two. And then the statement about the seventh day has three lines of seven words. Wow. So the first page in the Bible is doing way more than just telling us how the world was made. Right. Genesis 1 has been designed to show us that God's purpose is to share creation with his images so they can rest and rule it with him forever. And that purpose is what the rest of the biblical drama is all about. All right. I, I love that last part where you learn how much strategy was written in those first few verses, right? That there's these versions of seven and then these two versions of seven and then these three versions of seven. Like there's, um, there's a lot of, this isn't just like anyone's sloppy writing. This is really well written out and it's in a specifically poetry describing the origin of things. So I want to just kind of just kind of repeat, like when, when you read the Bible, you have an answer to some of these questions and we've kind of gotten a little bit of like how we got here. We're going we're gonna to dive more into why we're here and maybe some things that push up against that in our culture. Um, hopefully... Um, those of you that are writing questions, uh, we'll be able to turn some of those in. We'll, we'll kind of address some of those. If you have them right now, just wait until, because we're going to uh, close up shop here in about three minutes. Um, but in, um, if you have questions, go ahead and write those, because here's what I've found. A lot of these questions relate to things that are pushing up against our faith, and it's making us struggle, and it's unsettling us. And as a guy who's walked through some of that, I would love to give you a little bit of advice. In fact, just four quick things, if I can. Just what do we do when those questions come? What do we do with those questions, okay? First of all, don't freak out. Don't freak out. A lot of people are like, 
well, if this isn't true, then, then what's true? Then what do I do? Just don't freak out. Like, be patient. Um, maybe sometimes we just need to get a good, a good night's sleep and, and do some research and think about it. You can bring those questions. We'll help as much as we can. Not saying we're experts, but just saying as, as, uh, as a guy who's been reading the Bible for, for the last 20-ish years, 20, 20, longer than that, 25 years, um, and really kind of studying it, I've walked through some of those conversations. And then I've been able to help students uh, as they process these things. So again, not an expert, but I have a little bit of experience in this area. Don't run from your questions. I'm telling you, do not run from them. I think some people have this response of just like, well, we're, no, we're not going to address that. or We're not going to. Listen, if you have a question that matters to you, I believe it matters to God. It matters to your growth. You should, you should ask it. Okay. And you should, you should, number three, keep learning. And then number four, find ways to expand your faith, okay? So not saying like overload on faith and do nothing with the science side, not saying that like it's all gotta be science because we can prove it and faith is just imaginary, saying there's like two things kind of in tandem and if we can just take like the picture of science, right, that I've really never known science to just be like a God doesn't exist and by the way, I don't know that science could do that. I don't know that the scientific method could ever prove that God doesn't exist. Um, and, and I've never seen faith. You know, the truth is, you read, um, you read in, in the Gospels about everything that Jesus says. Do you know Jesus never says, turn your brain off? Jesus never says that. So here's, here's what we want to do. Science, let's put it in its rightful place. It deserves to be there. It's part of the conversation. It's how we learn about our world that God gave us. And then faith is this picture of how we learn about the God who created our world. And the two in tandem will help build your head and your heart and your mind, your relationship with Jesus. And I just want you to know, like when it comes to these items of faith, uh, we don't have to turn our brain off. Let me just share one more verse with you. Um, because hundreds of years later, author of Hebrews writes uh, a couple of things, right? Because we know that this Faith thing. With science, it's kind of like, okay, we can say two plus two equals four. But with faith, with things of Christianity, with Jesus, there's a lot, there's, there's faith, right? And so Hebrews 11.1 1 is going to say this. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So if, if you're like, well, I need proof. It's the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. No one in this room, to my knowledge, has ever walked, right, taken a walk with Jesus, right? We've never given him a hug, right? We just never have. There's a, there's a well, I, I can't see him, so I don't know that I can believe it. I think that's an overstep. I think it's a dangerous line to walk, okay? I want to challenge you in your faith journey to not turn your brain off, but also deepen your relationship and find ways. So, uh, let's do this. I'm going to close. A couple things. Definitely want you to come back next week because we are going to double down on this conversation and we'll respond to some of the questions. Two, if you have questions, go ahead and bring them up here before you, uh, before you head out, okay? And then if you like forget and you remember something like late tonight or over the weekend, write it down, bring it Sunday or Wednesday. Cool? Cool? All right, I'm going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for uh, just the opportunity to uh, learn about you um, and just the, uh, the opportunity to gather and encourage each other. So Lord, I pray that we would just be a people who don't put our head in the sand, but that we do follow you 
and learn about you in the same in the same way, in the same body, in the same pursuit, Lord, that we would learn about you and kind of the world you've created. And uh, Lord, I pray that this would be uh, an, an encouraging and enlightening series for these students. It's in your name we pray. Amen.